Hey, it's Lori from Hike. Happy 2024. It has been a minute since I've put out an episode, and I am really excited about bringing you this one. I chat with Andrea and Emma of the Army Mountain Warfare School based in Vermont, and we talk about a lot of hiking tips for cold weather hiking and mountaineering. And I know that you're going to find at least one or two tips that you can take right away and add into your hiking toolbox. I hope that you're getting out there and enjoying the outdoors in 2024 and that you have a lot of hikes ahead of you this year. So let's get into my conversation with Andrea and Emma. Okay. Well, I am here with Andrea and Emma, and I'm so happy to have you both on the show. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourselves? Um, Emma, go ahead and you go first. Sure. My name is Emma. Um, I'm currently in the Vermont National Guard. I've been serving in the military for the last 14 years. Um, And for the past year and a half, I've been with the Army Mountain Warfare School. Um, And on the civilian side, I'm a police officer. Um, my name is Andrea. I am from the suburbs of Chicago, but I have a family farm up in northern Wisconsin that I've spent about half my life at. Um, moved all over the country. Um, I have been in the military for this coming January will be 18 years. Um, been in a couple different units, a couple different job positions. Um, and I've deployed and mobilized three different times, and I now currently reside in the Vermont in Vermont. Um, and I'm a part of the Vermont National Guard as well. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, you mentioned uh, the Mountain Warfare School. How does that factor into what you do? Sure. Um, so I, uh, back in August 2021, I went through the basic military mountaineer course. Um, and I fell in love with it. And I love doing the physical stuff um, of of the mountaineering and I also love the technical aspect of it um you know the climbing repelling fixed ropes uh the hiking aspect of it is pretty awesome um and so I went back to my civilian job which was a desk job and decided that is not what I wanted to do with my life and so I put uh at that time I was actually in the reserves and put a transfer packet into the National Guard normally it takes about eight to twelve months but because of my job and what I did kind of able to mitigate some of those things that held up the packets and transferred within two and a half months. Um, and now I work there full time. Um, originally started as uh, part time and just kind of went out there, worked really hard to prove myself that I wanted to be there. And then they uh, picked me up full time. That's awesome. And Emma, how did you get involved? Yeah, so I... Recently, actually, well, in the last two years, I transferred over to the Vermont National Guard. I spent about um, 11 to almost 12 years with the New Hampshire National Guard. And um, I deployed for my second tour with the Vermont National Guard. Um, realized that Vermont offered more opportunities for me, especially being that I'm in the infantry. Um, so I decided to go ahead and do a transfer to the Vermont National Guard, which Worked out um, time-wise pretty well because I was already deployed with them. So by the time I came home, I was fully transferred. Um, And I remember putting in my uh, promotion packet that I wanted to explore instructor opportunities. Uh, Obviously, I never expected 
to go into the Army Mountain Warfare School, um, being as being the fact that I I'm not even I at the time I wasn't even qualified. I didn't have any of the qualifications to be an instructor. However, um, to my surprise, I was selected to get promoted into the Army Mountain Warfare School, and um, I was definitely nervous, but also excited for the challenges that um, I would you know go through um, and also grow as a as a soldier as a as an instructor and just as an overall person. So my first year with the Army Mountain Warfare School was pretty busy. I went through a lot of courses within a short amount of time. Um, my instructor course, my promotion course, and then also the basic mountain warfare course. And right now I'm in the phase of my training where I am going through a development process with the other instructors um, where then I would have to go through, um, you know, teaching aspects and kind of get that blessing to move forward and be able to be teaching students on my own. So mountaineering, I mean, you have all of those uh, skill sets and it's interesting how, you know, how do we, you know, I have a hiking podcast. So how do we marry this together of like, um, you know, the cold weather, the mountaineering aspect, and not even just the cold weather, but just in general, um, that kind of terrain. And I think, um, you know, some people may not even um, have a lot of experience knowing like how tough it is up in Vermont and, and in that um, mountainous area. So can you guys describe um, kind of what people could, you know, deal with out there and maybe, you know, how some people can be unprepared for that kind of environment, um, say they're just visiting? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I grew up in the Midwest and I also taught snowboarding in Colorado. So coming out here, um, I was really, I don't want to say underprepared, but um, or under underwhelmed when I first got out here um, because I came in the summer. And then once the winter hit, um, it pretty much mirrored the coldness of the Midwest. Um, and then the snow came and when it did come, um, it was pretty fierce. So I think that, um, you know, people come here, especially to our course, um, underprepared because they generally come from places that don't have any sort of mountainous terrain, um, or snow. Even we have a lot of people that come from like Florida or Arizona or other places that don't get a lot of snow. So they come up and they um, aren't really prepared. Um, but our course um, kind of gives them the opportunity to learn, um, especially from their mistakes and how to layer up or what clothing to wear. Um, and then we also give them the tools to be prepared within that terrain. And so let's talk a little bit about that, about um, what are some of those tools and what are the, I guess, best tips you have for hikers, um, for anyone who's kind of dealing with that type of environment and terrain, I guess, starting with, you know, how do you even prepare to make sure that you're, you know, being safe and not putting yourself or your, um, you know, whoever you're with going, you know, on this hike with, um, or backpacking, um, adventure so that you're not putting yourself or them in danger or, you know, possibly having others be put in danger to come, you know, rescue you if you're not, you know, 
um, adequately prepared. Yeah, so my first uh, advice is to humble yourself, Mm -hmm. um, definitely, and understand what your limitations are, especially if you come from a state that's like uh, what we call like flatlander states. Um, understanding that you don't know everything about the terrain that you're about to go in. Um, that would definitely be the first one is just kind of humble yourself and admit your weaknesses in that point. Um, maybe you're strong in a different area, but, you know, understanding your terrain and your environment that you're about to go in. The second thing I would say is layering, 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 smart layering as well. Um, know that you can't just go out there and something that's all cotton. So um, in the military, we have cotton uniforms, but we also have uh, a Netflix system. It's basically like our cold weather system. So we have different layers, different um, levels of that system. So what we do is we, I think one of the first classes, it's probably at the first or second class that we teach um, when the students come in is cold weather clothing. So we break down, um, we break down so far as to, you know, what what wool is and what down is, what silk is, and the pros and cons of each of those things. So as long as they have that grasp, they grasp that knowledge of understanding what layers are what and what they're used for, um, it kind of sets them up a little bit better for success in that way. Um, As far as equipment goes and being prepared in that aspect, especially in the winter, Um, We give them a basic military mountaineering equipment class um, where we go over um, some, you know, something as little as what kind of boots you're wearing, which it actually really isn't little. Having the proper boots is definitely important to what snowshoes are and how they can help you to skis, um, you know, to different types of ice tools for going ice climbing, um, using ski poles for trekking, that sort of thing. That's some great advice and and great ways to start out. And I think, um, you know, taking care of your feet is what is very, very important. Um, I know if you're not, um, if your feet aren't feeling well, then usually the rest of you is not feeling well too. So, um, so that's a really good way to start. Um, You talked about the different layers and different types of materials that you use. Um, to go out there. Is there anything that, you know, we talked about cotton and that you're, um, you know, the uniform is cotton, but, you know, traditionally we, you know, as hikers are told, like, do not wear cotton. So how do you layer up so that you can use both? That's a great question. Um, We have kind of a saying in the winter, um, summer is different. Cotton is really great in the summer. Um, You know, it keeps you cool. Um, when it's really hot out. Um, but the thing about it is that it doesn't, um, it doesn't dry very quickly. So in the winter, cotton will stay wet and it has no warming properties to it. Um, so layering, we talk about, um, silk layers or some sort of, um, base layer made out of some sort of wool, or, you know, there's also really good synthetic options out there. Um, so we talk about a base layer and then, depending on how cold it is, um, you want some sort of insulating layers. We have what's called waffles. Um, It's just like a grid printed or grid um, fleece type of material. That's really good for keeping those insulation properties in there. Um, That grid grid holds that warming property. 
And then we generally talk about, you know, again, depending on how cold it is, if you need some sort of like puff, like a minimal puff type of jacket or puff pants, um, minimal puff pants, then you go for like a a soft um, outer layer. So like a soft shell. If it's going to be really snowy and wet, um, you generally want something that has Gore-Tex in it, something that's waterproof, windproof. But when you talk about Gore-Tex or anything that's waterproof and windproof, the breathability is very, very minimal. Um, Even when you get Gore-Tex that does have some sort of um, breathability properties in it, um, it is great. But again, when you're moving around in that, you tend to get sweaty. The other thing that happens is that because it's breathable, um, it becomes a little bit more porous. So that waterproof and windproof, well, the waterproof um, qualities of it tends to diminish after a, a long period of time out there. Um, and I just want to touch really quick on the feet because um, I'm a big proponent of feet. I get blisters. I've tried everything to get rid of them. So um, something that I do, uh, you know, for your listeners is I use KT tape. Um, I get the cheaper stuff off Amazon um, and I always doctor my feet anywhere that I feel like I'm going to have a blister. Um, the other thing I use is foot glide that helps really well with the friction, um, creating a little bit more anti-friction in that. Yeah, I can piggyback off of that because um, Andrea taught me that when I first came to the unit and now I use that as well. And then for me, I add an extra layer of um, I use uh, pantyhose. So I put that right over my feet because I just I tend to blister really badly. So on top of the advice that she gave me, I use that. And then also adding the pantyhose right to the skin of my feet and then the sock over it helps a lot with that friction as well. I had never heard of that. So do you wear um, like a knee high type thing or like full on pantyhose? No, I don't wear full on pantyhose. I, I, um, I, what I do is I used to buy full on pantyhose and I would just cut them. But mm-hmm. then I discovered that you can actually buy just pantyhose that are like are either knee high or shin high. So yeah. that's what I get now. Okay. And I, I've been doing the pantyhose thing since like 20 16 now when I joined the infantry and we were doing a lot of rucking and and things like that and um I just it was just basically trial by error I was just trying to figure out what would help with the friction the most and then I just was like you know what let me try this because I was just researching on my own and then um but even with that um I was still you know blistering so then when I added the KT tape now it's just I don't have any issues at all yeah, that's good. I know that, um, well, kind of a couple of things. One was when we were talking about the clothing and the layering on that, and um, also with the Gore-Tex and, um, you know, the breathability. I was just thinking in general, you know, when I'm outside and, you know, I came, you know, from Michigan, so we had, you know, kind of decent weather or decent winters, but um, you don't realize like how quickly you will heat up. So I guess, um, the importance of being able to take off some of those layers that you guys were mentioning. Yeah, I think that um, is probably the biggest um, takeaway point from the layering system. I, prior to coming to the Army Mountain Warfare School, um, I was a sober instructor. So, you know, I had specific layers that I would wear and I would be fine working with students and whatnot. But then I came here 
and the amount of physicality that you put in to specific rooks, especially in the winter when it's really cold, you don't realize how quickly you do heat up. And I definitely agree with that. Um, something that we teach our students is to be comfortably cool prior to moving. Um, so, you know, while they're all waiting out there, they're not wearing their puff jackets, you know, their big, big puff jackets or anything um, really heavy. They're ready. You know, they're kind of, like I said, comfortably cool. And then once you start moving, you warm up that way, you're not sweating through every single layer that you have. And the second that you stop, you put your big puff on or, you know, your hard shell on or whatever it is, once you know that you're at your objective. Yeah, I like that. Um, what about food? I know, Emma, you had a tip about, um, you know, hydration. And I think that's another thing that I'm going to say is, you know, my ignorance about winter hiking is, oh, it's cold out. You, you know, you really don't need as much water or hydration, but tell me why that is false. Well, I mean, regardless of the temperature outside, like our bodies still need to hydrate. And in order to be able to output energy, we need to remain hydrated. That's the only way um, in order to stay not one, but like circulation wise, obviously you're moving a lot. Um, yes, it's it's colder in the in the winter um, and you don't want to you know drink. But at the same time. Um, you have to think of hydration in the same sense of, you know, drinking a gallon a, um, a day of water is what helps our bodies continue to regulate like the proper heat um, and obviously our circulation. But as well as like our bodies are made up of 70 percent or more of water. Um, so it's important to continue to keep that um, input going uh, because you're going to lose it, obviously, as you as you're moving more. Um and it, and it is tough and I get that, but also at the same time when you're hiking, um, maybe not having like a camelback, I wouldn't recommend having a camelback during winter while you're hiking, uh, more, more so of a, an Nalgene bottle, okay. um, in order to keep that water, um, good and not possibly freezing. And I, I don't know what kind of bladder systems other people are using, but I wouldn't recommend a bladder system at all. Maybe Andrew can touch more upon bladder systems than I can. But as far as winter months, um, using an algae bottle is the better option of the two. And are you putting just straight water or are you using also electrolytes or some sort of kind of powder um, to add in? I know for me personally, I mean, um, I like to have a little bit of flavor. So I do um, have like IV pack liquids that I use or like drip drops that are also um, liquids that you can uh, not liquids, but the powders that you can use, you can put into the liquid to, to give some sort of uh, a taste. So you're not feeling like you're just drinking water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what about filtering? Do you guys use something um, to filter? I know sometimes it's hard to find sources in the winter. Things are dried up, but I know that, you know, you may, out longer than you think or not be able to carry the water that you need on on your mission or hike yeah i could touch on that um so we teach a water filtration uh class um or we call it water procurement um and in the winter as long as there's snow you can use that snow to heat up boil it so that you know you get all the bacteria out of it um we also do have um 
little tablets that you can drop into the water. Um, but generally within our course, um, or at least what I've done, is that we're not out for extended period of times. However, there's times where, um, you know, we last year we had some cadre do the Prezi Traverse um, where they were out there for two nights and three days where they, you know, procured a bunch of snow, boiled it down, used that for their drinking water. Um, and if they needed to purify it, they had the purifying tubs. But there's definitely a ton of different filtration systems out there. Um, you just have to be careful to understand how to use them. Um, you know, just putting water into your Nalgene and then dropping a tablet in it might not be good enough depending on where you source that water from. Um, really, it's just depending on on where you get the water from and how you do um, procure it. If we need to, um, we do have students carry um, MSR stoves that they can boil water and, you know, use a um, purifying tablet to drink that water if they tend to run out. But we make sure that all of our students have at least four quarts of water when they do leave the building so that they have enough water throughout the day. And then as cadre, um, we do carry jugs of water in the event that a student does run out of water. Okay. And I know one of the other um, kind of big things is uh, just really knowing your terrain. Um, we rely so much upon um, sometimes, you know, our smartphones, um, which the battery can die pretty quickly out there in the cold, I've learned. So what kind of like navigation do you guys teach or how do you help um, the students as well as just in your own life, um, make sure you're smart about um, knowing where you're going and um, not getting lost? Yeah, so we do um, uh, a big land navigation um, class. So it's usually in the morning, pretty much all morning. Um, we teach them how to, to read the train on a map, um, to read contour lines and understand, you know, smaller, like when the contour lines are closer together, obviously that means it's a bigger hill or even a cliff. Um, so we teach them how to assess a train and look at it from a map. And then um, the next day we take them out and they do a land navigation course where it's like their time to pretty much make their mistakes that they need to make to understand, you know, if I'm reading the map in this way, am I looking at it, um, you know, physically the same way? And we just kind of give them those types of tools. We give them compasses. Um, the other thing that we give them and I think is a really useful tool is an altimeter watch. So on that watch, it not only reads like the barometer so it can tell, you know, when the weather's changing and whatnot, um, but it also has the altimeter on that. And as long as you reset it at every known point, like, you know, if I'm at the base of, let's say, a mountain in Colorado and I know the base is at 9,000 feet, I can set my watch at 9,000 feet. And then as I climb up, um, I can know how much elevation I have gained. Um, so that's a really useful tool. I know a lot of Garmin watches, Fitbits, um, those types of watches, the, the more smarter watches have that. I believe the uh, the iPhone watches, I'm not, a, I'm not an Apple person, but I'm pretty sure that they also read that as well. So um, yeah, we give them the tools, like I said, to look at the terrain on the map mm -hmm. and understand what they're about to get into. And then we let them go out and use that assessment that they've made 
and then actually have them put it in practicality. So um, overall, I think it is important for people to understand where they're at and where they're going. Um, I know that um, the app All Trails also has a really good um, understanding of like how much elevation you're going to gain. And there's like definitely different cool things that you can look into on the All Trails on the All Trails app to navigate that terrain. Yeah, and to, yeah, so you're definitely prepared. Um, when you go out there as well as, um, I guess, you know, letting everyone get, letting someone know back home, uh, where you're going to be. Oh yeah. Sorry. That, that's also, uh, one of my biggest things too, is when I do go, um, hiking by myself, I, I always bring my dogs with me, but if it's just by myself, um, I share my location with, um, a friend or my mom or, you know, whoever, is going to be tracking me that day, um, just in case that, you know, something were to happen. But a lot of times you don't have the luxury of having service in some of the places that people hike. Um, so letting somebody know, Hey, I'm going here at this time. If you don't hear from me and however many hours later, um, be aware that this might've happened, you know, just letting somebody know, um, where you, where you're starting and where you're ending and like about the time frame. So I'm going to ask you guys both this question. What has been, I guess, the biggest lesson you've learned about the outdoors um, through your time in the service and then taking that and applying it um, just to everyday life? Yeah. So for me, it was definitely just the layering option because now even working as a police officer in the wintertime as a patrolman, um, being able to use utilize that type of layering so for example during the winter months um, my patrol uniform isn't really thick and it doesn't um, it's very breathable which is great Uh, so what I do is I'll wear a silk base layer um, trousers and a a top and then I would wear my patrol uniform Um, I have a good pair of wool winter socks that are darn uh, darn tufts so um, those keep me warm. My boots are waterproof and they're um, Gore-Tex winter insulating. But again, as a patrol officer, I'm not hiking. So for me, th- the type of and sock that I wear, it's more so if I'm going to be standing around directing traffic in the middle of a winter storm. Um, so that's kind of helps me w- with that aspect of staying warm. Also with wearing like a good... Um, hat so I don't really wear like um those mesh ones that kind of seem like to have air pockets like I have like a very um fleece outer outer silk but inner like fleece type hat um it's very it it actually is it kind of like molds the head um and that I got at Black Diamond and it works perfect um because obviously the heat that we lose we usually lose it from our hands and our head when they're exposed the most. So those are the things that as a patrol officer now, um, I definitely utilize. I learned all of this stuff, obviously now more so I know more of the layering system, you know, through being with the mountain warfare school and understanding that aspect when it comes to hiking. Um, however, I obviously learned it very early on in the military, being in the infantry, um, understanding how to layer and actually learning the army seven layer system as a whole. And that's something that I encourage any civilian that is not in the military 
to just look up the Army seven layer system and you will um, get a lot of information as to the type of materials that we use, um, the things that were issued, but you can also buy similar items. My stuff off of Amazon. Um, aside from the darn tough socks, like that's from um, darn tough. But um, there's there's other materials out there that doesn't need to be It's just it's just the type of materials that we use and that are issued to us. But you can mm-hmm. literally get the similar stuff. Um, so yeah, I would definitely encourage. I mean, I just told one of my coworkers the other week um, when we were talking about layering. I said, "Hey, look up the Army Seven Layer System. Read up on it." Um, and Kind of really definitely what I would also urge anybody to do is test it out. I know when I first started learning about the Army seven layer system, we had a snowstorm in New Hampshire. It was a, one of our big nor'easters. So what I decided is I literally put on every single layer. So I went from layer one to seven. I put it all on and I went outside and I sat like in my pup suit and I just sat on the snow and I was like, okay, this is comfortable. So I can wear like all of the layers and, this is like really, really cold, but I'm, I'm good and I'm comfortable and I'm not cold. And then I started moving and I was like, oh crap, like I'm getting hot. So then I would kind of decrease the layers to see how that felt and where I could comfortably move and not sweat too much, but still be comfortable. And I encourage anybody to do that. I know it obviously takes time, but anytime you have like when, it, when you have a day off and if, if it's a nor'easter that we know is coming, I would de- definitely recommend to start testing out your equipment before you yes. head out, <laughs> head out and do any of that um, hiking and, and putting yourself in positions. I would definitely start testing out your equipment. Um, so I've been in for almost 18 years now. Um, and to be honest, I never wore the puff suit until I came to the Army Mountain Warfare School. Um, I was an engineer, construction engineer prior. So we were always outside working. Um, and then I was civil affairs prior with, or prior to this, which, um, basically we just worked with the civil environment of whatever, um, country that we were in. So it was, I never really dealt with the elements until I came to the mountain warfare school. Um, so first is just like a person within this, um, organization, I learned the layering, just like Emma just talked about, um, understanding that you can't just put all of your layers on and hope that you don't sweat through it. And then by the time you get to wherever you're going, you're not, you know, you're, you're going to be super hot. So you want to take them all off and then you're just going to be cold after you put them all on anyway. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me was the water. Um, I have a hard time drinking water anyway. So I always carry a camelback. Um, as I'm hiking, I like to drink it, but in the winter, that was my biggest obstacle. So what I had to learn and what I had to do was um, having an algae in like the front part of my kit is what we call it. It's what you wear on your front part where like magazine pouches are and other stuff. So I have um, one for my camel or one for my analogy now. And what I hate to do in the winter is drink cold water. So what I was doing was heating up water putting it into my Nalgene and putting a little bit of cold water on top. Um, And then by the middle of the day, my water is nice and warm to drink. And it was actually welcoming to drink that. The other thing I would do and still do is um, bring some sort of hot beverage. Um, I'm not a big coffee drinker, but I do like tea. So I'll bring tea or hot chocolate, um, something that's nice and hot um, for when I get really, really cold 
coming from an instructor standpoint, um, I used to work in the high schools prior to where I'm working now. And I think the biggest thing is having the students understand that you are a person and that you make mistakes as well. Um, so when I am teaching, you know, while we're out there, if they're layered up too much, I said, Hey, you know, I totally get that been there myself. Why don't you try this or that? Um, so the students need to see you as, as a human because they walk into our school and they, they think that, you know, we're all mountain and we're fantastic and we're really good and we're professionals. Um, but we all came from nothing at some point. So allowing them to understand that like we have made those same mistakes and this is what we did to rectify those mistakes. Yeah. I like that last comment because I think it also keeps us humble too, of knowing that we never know enough or too much, you know, we can still kind of, um, you know, think of ourselves as like you said, you know, of how your students are seeing you and, um, you know, some of the behaviors that maybe you had to, to learn um, through the years of, of working um, in the outdoors. Exactly. One of my favorite things to say, sorry, one of my favorite things to say is um, you learn something new every day and you truly do. Even if you think that you know everything, you could always learn something new. I like that. Yes. So now let's talk about like where you're going um, for your next hike or outdoor adventure. Like what, what are you doing? What's, what do you got going on this December and January? Any fun trips? Yeah, so the Mountain School Cadre, um, we are going to North Conway um, beginning of January. We're going to do an ice climbing trip, which I'm very excited about. This will be my second year ice climbing. Um, when I first came to the school, climbing just rock um, in the summer was really the first time I'd ever done it. And then last year, last winter was the first time I'd ever ice climbed in my life. Um, and honestly, I fell in love with it. And I hope, you know, people listening to this that are true rock climbers don't hate me, but I love ice climbing. It is, I, I just love it. I think that it might be a little easier um, for some people. Maybe I'm just, again, the, the minority in that, but um, I, I loved it. It was awesome. So I'm really excited to go on that. So I think we'll be doing some ice climbing, some hiking, um, just really getting um, into that, that winter mode um, as our, winter courses start in the middle of January. So quick side note about that, about ice climbing. I've always just been so intrigued by it. And back in my home state of Michigan, I know in the upper peninsula, they do like something every year of like this whole ice climbing event. And it just, it looks like it's a lot of fun. It is, it is, it's so much fun. Um, It's, I want to say it's, it's really nothing like rock climbing. Um, I mean, you always have to find your feet regardless of what type of climbing you're doing. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of fun. You get to make your own holds. You can pick your own route. Um, but yeah, I've, I've also heard of that. It's a big ice climbing yeah. thing up in the UP and, um, I, that's definitely on my bucket list to go there at some point. Okay. Well, when you do, I want to hear about it. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> okay. How about you, Emma? What's, what's on your, upcoming list or anything that um, you're doing in in the outdoors? Well, for me, because I am fairly new to really just climbing in general, um, I'm not planning anything specific outside of going to um, the schoolhouse and, you know, getting all of that experience with the other instructors, people I can trust that are 
very uh, knowledgeable on it. Um, I definitely am still in the process of just building that foundation for myself to where I can become more confident and then go out on my own and or with other people um, outside of the military and 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 go for hikes and things like that. So I'm I'm being very um, just slow about it and just kind of taking in all the information and, and learning as much as I can um, uh, until, you know, I'm at the point where I'm more confident to do that. However, um, as a police officer, I never really know if I'm going to end up hiking because last year in the wintertime, I did end up going for quite the mile hike to help somebody out that was stuck with a snowmobile. And <laughs> at that point, um, I had some just easy slip on yak tracks that helped me get through um, just like knee high snow. But I made it through and I got to that person. Um, the only thing that I wished at that time is they did have some rope and everything, but I was not mountain qualified at that point. So I didn't know how to make any anchors or do anything to be able to pull them out, um, which now I will know, which which is exciting. So if I do end up in some situation like that this winter, <laughs> I will be able to use, you know, the ropes and materials um thankfully around me but luckily he had a um one of those uh what do you call them like uh it's like a, a uh, winch yeah there we go winch thank you i was losing my words but yeah so he had one of those but we just had to walk back out together i had to uh -huh. drive him to his truck do the whole thing so um, you can get it out but yeah but anyways so that might be something that could happen in the future for me as far as that goes but other than that anything leisure right now i am just like I said, taking in everything, learning from the instructors at the mountain school before I kind of start my own adventures outside of that. It's been such a pleasure to chat with both of you today. How can people learn more? Where are some places they can learn more about the school and about um, some any of the other um, information that you'd like them to find out? Yeah, so we have, um, if you Google Army Mountain Warfare School, um, it'll pull up and you can just click on the website. It is kind of a generic website for um, you kind of get rerouted through Fort Benning, um, but we do have information there. Um, as far as like information of what we teach people, um, a lot of our stuff actually comes from the Freedom of the Hills book. Um, it is a great resource. Anytime that I have to go teach a class that I haven't taught before, I always open that book, um, look through what comes from there. Um, it's a really, really awesome resource for people to use. And it's not just, it's, it's a civilian based book, which is a lot of where stuff comes from as we teach technical aspects of mountaineering for the military rather than the tactical aspect of it. Um, but yeah, that Freedom in the Hills book is, is pretty fantastic. And they, updated every couple of years. I think they're on like the eighth edition maybe, um, but that's a really good resource. Um, I've also used REI as a resource. Um, I think mountain mobility is a really important aspect of, you know, hiking in any sort of um, elevation terrain, rather it be a couple hundred feet to a couple thousand feet um, or meters for the European folk. Um, but I have Googled, you know, mountain mobility or like how to be better. And one of the first places that comes up is REI and they just kind of walk you through specific things that you can um, do to increase your mobility within um, this type of terrain. As wow. well as um, they, do, they do give really good um, information about, um, you know, layers and how to layer 
what kind of clothing you should wear. Um, and yeah, my last thing I will say is sunblock, 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 always uh, wear sunblock. Yeah. I, that's, yeah, you don't, that's another thing that again is um, kind of a misconception that you can't, you know, have issues, get, get burned out there. Um, especially with that reflection of the snow or the sun on the snow. Be exactly, exactly. Oh, and then I guess I would add, um, when I think of that, I think of a good, you know, lip application, some sort of Carmex or chapstick or whatever you may use Aquaphor, something to keep your, yeah, absolutely. And really anything with some sort with some SPF in it as well. will will help that, that blistering too. Well, I want to say thank you again. I will put links in the show notes to some of those, um, the books and the sites that you mentioned and um, look forward to sharing this out with the listeners. Yeah, I'm really excited too. Um, this is great. And Emma, uh, next time that you're up here and we have ice on that wall, don't worry, I will take you up it and uh, we'll work on that. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Andrea and Emma, for joining me today. Listeners, check the show notes so you can find out more about what they were talking about, about the tips and about the Army Mountain Warfare School. I'm getting back into the swing of things here in 2024. So please, if you have something to chat about, want to talk about a story or bring forward some hiking tips, drop me a line, hikepodcast at gmail.com, or you can find me at the hike podcast on social media. I would love to hear from you until next time. See you on the trail.